sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Uh, we are here on the early line, hour number two, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, I, I got to tell you the truth, right? Like, my, my, uh, the circadian rhythm of the football season is all messed up for me, okay? Because we had a Tuesday night football. There's no Thursday night game tonight, right? So in the fantasy community, it's like waiver wire is happening all messed up, right? I'm wondering now about, like, well, where in the week? What should we be talking about? But hmm. there were four teams that are playing on Sunday in week six, their first day of practice. So we have practice reports. So we have to talk about where the injury situation lies heading into week six, because, you know, in a normal week, we'd have Thursday night football right now. People are starting to think about this. So let's look at what I was able to glean from some of the practice reports, some of the beat reporters, uh, now that Wednesday, and it is practice week for week six. You mentioned, you know, the Denver Broncos situation, right? I said there could be some good news there because Drew Locke is practicing in full. Maybe the return of the Denver starting quarterback also practicing in full. Baker Mayfield, remember, Mama didn't raise no wuss, but he's got that pass rush coming up. Both of those quarterbacks look like they may be good to go, fully cleared, ready for their AFC matchups, Kev. What does Locke bring back to the Broncos? Yeah, not anything that inspires confidence in me. Okay. You know, <laughs> I mean, here's what I know. He's better than Driscoll, and he's better than Rippin. Because Driscoll was terrible, and Rippon played an awesome game in which he kept throwing interceptions. Mm -hmm. So, but like, this is, I almost, if I were, you can't do it. You got to throw him out there. But like, man, he, you throw him out there to Bill, first game back. Like, there's just yeah, weapons right. for this team. This is what I'm talking about. Like, it's a mess for Denver right now, Nane. Yep. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but the Pats at home against the team they should beat up on, you know, I feel like I just want to... Off their bye, rested, yeah. ready to go. Like, it's yeah. nine and I'm a half. You. Like, yep. no problem. Sign me up. Yep, I'm completely with you, Kev. Remember, a certain co-host of yours thought that Denver should have taken a really serious look at Mr. Jameis Winston when he was available, if you remember that. Let's look back at these injuries. I want to look at the people who did not practice yesterday. We know about Dalvin Cook, right? We know and we expect that he is going to miss at least one game. Then I believe they have their bye. Check this out. LaVisca Chenault in Jacksonville. Jarvis Landry in Cleveland as they go into, listen, Brown Steelers is going to be one of these marquee matchups. And obviously, bless him and Jarvis Landry. Now, he didn't practice. It's hip and ribs for Jarvis. I always make the point, Kev, that this was just the Wednesday report. We have to see how they are trending. Do you have any level of concern about the actual availability of Chenault, which may be a lesser thing in the actual NFL world, but maybe potentially in fantasy DFS lineups, prop bets? And Jarvis Landry, though, as a key piece of this 4 and one Browns offense, in a big-time game. Do you have any concern about Chenault or Landry? I, I think Jarvis stands out because Baker is also on this list, right? And obviously True. in a different capacity. But 
whether or not I think the Steelers' defense is as good as everybody says, they're still one of the better defenses in football. And one of the things that's you know stands out to me in that game, it's a total of fifty-one. Mm. Man, these are two good defenses. I think I think that's Cleveland's right. got a good defense in their own. Yeah, right. I agree. So I think under fifty-one is starting to look enticing. All right, fair enough. And by the way, let's also big big shout out to all our radio affiliates around the country. Big shout out to the mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up incredibly early with us down there in Southern California, right here on the early line, giving you the edge. Let's look at the other category here, which is the people who are limited in practice. Okay, so they're still out there. So it's not as, you know, as kind of big of an issue. I got to tell you the truth. Sometimes when I see these guys that are limited, I think of decoy. Dr. Chow talks to me about guys that are going to be out there but are sort of decoys. And then, you know, I look at these three players. I look at also have these three teams, right? The Washington football team, the New York Giants, the New York Jets. They could use even a decoy, anything that will help their offense. What do you think? I mean, Slayton, Gibson, these are guys that could be in lineups if they're 100%. Any concern with these guys, if they're limited, if they're compromised? Uh, do you think these will trend in a positive direction? Well, if you're Ron Rivera, you got to be doing cartwheels, right? Because maybe you have a chance to not give up 30 for the fifth straight week if Darius Slayton misses the game. Fair. I'll tell you right now, I don't care. You keep starting Kyle Allen, I'm going to keep betting against Washington. And, is, and Antonio Gibson's going to be out? Like, well, no, he's limited. We don't know. Okay, Antonio Gibson's going to be banged up. Fine by me. Like this right. is the thing, right. man. Like now, Slayton being out matters. Okay, Darius Slayton is the worst wide receiver in football. Who missing a game will matter for me. That might be a backhanded compliment, but it's what it is. Nice. But honestly, like this number's dropped below the three. Right now, we always, you know, we're continually watching for the hook. If yeah. it stays below the three, I just, I am giving this Washington team no respect. They've given me no reason to give them respect. And them to lose a game basically is what we're looking at here. Yeah, yeah. sign me up. Cool. I want Slayton to play because I've been on his prop bets a ton. They don't respect them, Kev. They have his yardage in the mid-50s all the time, and he's... He's like wide out one for the Giants who have a bad game script all the time. In any event, the last note, Sam Darnold has already been ruled out for week six. He was able to play the second half after that injury, then has been ruled out the next two weeks. And this is early to do it. The curious case of Sam Darnold, the dumpster fire in New York continues. When we come back, we'll look at some of the key games on the week six slate in the NFL right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. Kev, we've been talking about, you know, this Browns-Steelers game. 
right? Even as related to Baker and his ribs and now Jarvis Landry, who's a little bit banged up, we were extolling the virtues of Chase Claypool as a waiver wire guy who scored four touchdowns for this Pittsburgh Steelers team last week. You and I have had a back and forth conversation on how good are the Steelers? How good is the Steelers defense? And I got to tell you, I don't know when I can say the next sentence I'm about to. I've never done it before. I don't think it's been said for over 25, 30 years. For the second week in a row, the Cleveland Browns are in the marquee matchup of the week slate. The Cleveland Browns are once again in the big-time game. This time, they go to Pittsburgh in a key AFC North divisional matchup at Pittsburgh, where there you see it. We got a three-point spread. We've got a total of 51. You mentioned that these are, you know, good defenses, but everybody Mm. scores in the 50s these days. What are your initial leanings on this game? Or maybe if it's too early for that, what are the things that you're going to be looking at as the factors, the key factors in this game to kind of make your lean or what you're looking for? So watch for the hook in effect yeah. again. The three and a half has become three. Minus 115 though to that minus three. I think how we can view anything other than Baker's injury status, because like that's great. He's like, oh, mama, whatever. I don't care, pal. Are you really 100%? Because if not, it's not good, okay, against any defense, regardless of if it's one that... Can I apply my Carson Wentz take on this one? No, no. That take is done. It's retired. Fine. It's done. We're done. This is a spot for it, though, Kev. (laughs) We're done. We're done. It's over. But I'll say this. I think think it's anybody that's listening to this show knows which of these two teams I prefer. But I think I'm, I would be leaning towards laying the three with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just they're home. Yep. The Browns are banged up. The Steelers are also, by the way, like off of the bye, but they're still a little more rejuvenated, right? They've got to be a little bit fresher there. The Browns just played a real tough game uh, against the Colts. We can't ignore Nick Chubb's absence entirely, even if I really like Kareem Hunt. But Kareem Hunt, I don't think, is rolling at 100% either. So I just think you're looking at a spot here where the hook is gone. I lay three. I feel like worst case, maybe I push. All right, let me ask you this, though. You talked about these are two good defenses, or at least two defenses we think are good in the context of 2020, right? Uh, 51? I'm reminded of, you know, when the Browns were in the game of the week last week against the number one defense in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts, right? Like, so are you going to tempt fate with this total? No. No. The thing is, I didn't think it was going to go over. So here's what happened. I didn't think Colts-Browns would get over the number. I was wrong. But pick six, and then after the pick six, the kickoff was returned to the house. And Phillip Rivers threw the ball into the ground and caused the T.J. Watt scoop and score? That's not viable? Like, no, so that's kind of my thing here. Like, I don't think it gets over, but Baker throws one to Minka Fitzpatrick. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Big Ben gets obliterated by Miles Garrett, and all of a sudden, it's you know worth ten points. One's returned, and one right. sets up an automatic field goal. You know, yeah. so that's where and that's part of why I, that Titans 
That's part of why that Titans Bills game got, you know, because the Titans yes. were set up multiple yes. times. Kev, we also were back and forth last week on the Giants team total, right? It eventually went over. But as soon as I saw Blake Martinez return an interception hmm. for a touchdown, yeah. I was like, well, well, there goes that idea. You know right. what I mean? So that is viable. Can I ask you one other element of this game? Sure. Miles Garrett swinging helmets last time these two teams played. That's right. right. Right, like oh man, you know, I might be on no, the no, 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 Mason Rudolph. I, I got that right, but um, these guys don't like each other, Kev. How does that? No. When you said, "Oh right," uh, so I am reminding you of that. What's your reaction to that? How does that does does that play out in here at all? Is that a factor at all for you in this game? Yeah, I don't want the AFC North. Guys. They don't like each other, bro. Here's the thing. Oh man, I don't like this at all. No, Miles Garrett's it, it, Miles Garrett is insane. He will go out there intentionally trying to yeah. hurt Big Ben. The yeah. Steelers will probably be trying to intentionally yeah. hurt him. Yeah. Oh, this and is tell me what Pouncey is going to be doing at that time. Yeah. Oh, it's going to get real ugly. Yeah. All right. So what does oh. that mean for the total, Kev? Under. It's got to be under. It's got to be <laughs> It has if to not be. If not now, then when? Right. <laughs> It's like it's such a big number. I feel yeah. like these are like this is what I'm saying. Are this is the Steelers defense good? This is what I'm saying. How are they playing? I think they are. How are they playing to a total of 51 though? If right. the Steelers defense I think they is are. good. And I think both of these teams are going to be charged up, okay? Not only because of what happened last week, but the winner of this game is hanging with Baltimore for first place in this division. This is a very big one. I do want to touch on another big one, this time over in the NFC, and maybe we'll go back to it because, you know, we're going to have our guy Jay in and all. In the NFC, the game of the week to me is Tampa Bay and Green Bay, all right? Yeah. Listen, we got – Another one of these things where we're going to talk about Tom Brady facing another Hall of Fame quarterback and all this stuff. The Packers have been off. The Packers have been efficient as all hell. I am telling everybody, don't forget about Aaron Rodgers in the MVP race. And Kev, these are both these older veteran quarterbacks who I honestly believe are child's play, taking advantage of the fact that there are no fans in the stands and everyone can hear everything they say. These are two of the quarterbacks that can find the matchups, do what they got to do, manipulate the offense and the plays with their voice, with their eyes. And I'm excited for this one. But check this out. This one's total is only three points higher than Brown Steelers. Yeah, it's a good point. Green Bay, obviously, um, with with, the, with what they've been able to do offensively makes that enticing. But this is a game that was Tampa laying two and a half, mm. and then it gets compounded by them losing to the Bears, the Packers off the bye. It went all the way to Green Bay laying two and a half, and then people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you, right. ba- you got it out of, out of Pickham, okay? It says minus one. Money lines are the exact same at minus 108 apiece. Yeah. I really, really dislike this game Hmm. because Green Bay running away and hiding feels in the cards. Teams off of a bye have had, what what did the Steelers scored 38, right? Right. And then Tennessee scored 42. Yeah. So keep that in mind. It's 2-0 to the over off buys. 
Make of it what you of what you will. So you ride very, the Lions this week also in an ugly game, but that's besides the point. No, I can't wait to that <laughs> Jacksonville. I can't wait. But the thing with Tampa is, and I remember this schedule quirk from the roster resets. Obviously, I remember it from it just happened last week as well. But Tampa Bay off Thursday night football. So mini I got Tom, a little bit of a mini buy off of a loss. Green Bay's rolling. They're on the road. I think it's a very justified pick And I don't, I just don't have enough of a lean here on this side to play with conviction. And even the over 54 and a half is dicey because Tampa's defense to me is still a good defense. I, I, I like what they've put forward in their games. This ultimately is going to come down, though, to, to Brady, of course, versus Rodgers. And if the Bucks have to just keep matching them, then that's it's going to obviously try and push it over the number. The other thing that we have to, to wait on, right, is just is Mike Evans 100%? Is Chris Godwin 100%? Is Devontae Adams 100%? These are all of the things that make the difference in what is an incredibly important NFC matchup. So we'll continue to follow these games. When we come back, though, our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, also, of course, over at Run Pure Bet, will talk to us about this upcoming UFC card, and we'll get his thoughts about some things in the NFL as well. We take a break. We come back more early line after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. We welcome in also our radio affiliates from around the country. Come on in. Get the edge. That's what we do here. We try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And if you follow the show, you know on Thursday with an MMA card on, we bring in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. Jay, before we even start, do me a favor. Tell your boy Joey we love him. He's a friend of the hmm. show. It's all good. I got paid off of some of the things he had for us <laughs> last week. You know, the Sanhagen inside the distance. That South African kid, Duplissy, looked good in the first round, and he was all over that. So we thank Joey, and we bring you back in. How you doing, brother man? I'm doing good, man. I try to run with people that are smarter than me. So I'm happy that well, Joey that's why you hang out. out with Kevin and I, right? That's why you yeah, hang course. out with Kevin and I. It's all good. So let's dig into this card. First of all, I got to tell you, I'm going to be so excited for next weekend's card. And there's some big ones on that, a real deal pay-per-view. But let's get into it where on Saturday, the main event really is Ortega and the Korean Zombie, right? And I got to ask you, I've been hearing people talk about this fight I hope I don't catch you off guard here, Jay, but is there some kind of crazy beef between these guys? Something happened in a club? They had a fight? Like Ortega, mm-hmm. like Korean zombies entourage and stuff like that? It feels to me like there's some bad blood, and Korean zombie is going to try to end this man. 
Yeah, I got to tell you that uh, these guys are known, right, for being two of the nicest guys in the UFC. But there is some kind of crazy beef between them. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Somebody slapped somebody else's entourage. Yeah, yeah. I heard heard that they were at the bar together, the club, in Vegas, whatever. But Ortega waited for the Korean zombie to go to the bathroom. And then Ortega went over there and slapped up uh, Korean zombies like Boyd, his entourage, what his translator, I, whatever I, it was. But that he took the weak move of waiting for the zombie to go to the bathroom that night to then step up to the table and start beef. And Korean zombie came out and saw this happening, being like, "Yo, I'm gonna kill you, bro." I probably wait till he went to the bathroom too, if I'm being what? honest. <laughs> <laughs> The guy's a monster. So you think he gets it done? You think he gets it done? Because I think he gets it done, and I don't think it's going to take five rounds. Yeah, I I love both these fighters, man. Um, They've been trying to make this fight happen, I think, for over a year. Finally, it's going to go down this Saturday. And make no mistake, this is 100% a main event-worthy fight. This is a pay-per-view main card worthy fight, right? So Mm -hmm. when I started doing the research for the fight... First thing I thought of was, wow, when was the last time that I saw Brian Ortega in the cage? It couldn't possibly have been the title fight against Max Holloway, was it? And then, like, sure enough, it it, it was because of injuries. Uh, we have not seen Brian Ortega fight in the octagon since 2018, almost two years that he's been absent from competition. And that is an issue, man. So, you know, now mm. we know that Brian Brian Ortega, he took his first loss uh, in that title fight with Max Holloway. And in that fight, he was absolutely destroyed. However, Brian Ortega is one of the most well-rounded MMA fighters in the UFC today. And um, he has sick ground skills with a black belt and BJJ. Uh, He's also one of the most creative strikers in the UFC right now. He's got stamina for days, and he really is one of those guys that you need to pack a lunch against because aside from that Holloway fight, he has looked flawless in the cage, right? Now, if he was... If he was fighting almost anybody else in the division, I probably would have backed him in the rebound spot. But the Korean zombie appears um, to be a different kind of dude, man. Chan Sung Jung can legitimately be holding a UFC championship around his waist next year. Um, He has incredible power in his hands for the division. He's a sniper. Uh, with his striking accuracy, he's underrated on the ground with eight submission wins. And um, the dude, bro, is no joke, right? So mm-hmm. the problem is that I don't want to lay 190, 195 against Brian Ortega in this spot. So the way that I decided to get on Zombie was inside the distance, plus 110. I sent that both to you guys a few days ago in case you wanted to hop on it. And my reasoning for inside the distance is this. Since September 30th of 2010, um, he has fought nine times, 
All nine fights, whether he's won or lost, ended inside the distance. Six of those fights he won. Should have been seven of those fights, if not for a freak uh, uh, spinning back fist by Yair Rodriguez with like five seconds to go. So when you consider all that and you consider the fact that you can get Chan Sung Jung in a plus money spot, I think it's worth the risk here. So give me the Korean zombie inside the distance. Uh, I gave it to you at plus 110. I've seen about 15 cents of movement on that so far. Right now, it's like even money, I think, minus 105, somewhere in that range. But I think it's the spot. My question for you, Jay, because you you, you mentioned the ground game of zombie being a little bit underrated, right? It was eight submission wins under the belt. You look at the FanDuel yep. Sportsbook, the method of victory, right? Ortega by knockouts plus 850, by points plus 750, submission plus 320. They think that's how he would get the job done. So the question is, is the underrated ground game of the Korean zombie enough to eliminate the biggest strength that Ortega usually is bringing into his fights? I would say, in my opinion, from what I've seen in the cage, Brian Ortega's ground game, I like better. But the Korean Zombie has, I think, one of only two twister submissions ever in the history of the sport inside the cage. And he has legitimate skills. Something that I think Brian Ortega, because he's so well-versed, will probably have the edge on as long as he's in full guard. Um, But I don't see it going down like that, man, because that dude's got stupid power in his hands, yeah. I think that he's he's probably going to catch him and drop Ortega. All right, fair enough. I like what you're talking about inside the distance. And you add the element, it's the main event for five rounds. You add the element of what I think is legitimate bad blood, and I don't think this is going the full distance. I'm with you, Jay. Talk to me about the co-main, where we have the ladies getting going, and Jessica Andrade is a minus 168 favorite from what we see currently from our friends and partners at FanDuel. We got, you know, Shkugan going back on the other side. How do you say this co-main playing out? Yeah, the last three times I have bet against Jessica Andrade, and for the most part, it worked out for me. I faded her in both fights against Rose Nama Yunus, uh, split those two, and then I hammered uh, Weili Zhang when she took the strap from Andrade. However, this time, I'm going to back Jesse here, and the reason is Caitlin Chukagian is a poor man's version of Rose Nama Yunus. She stays on the mm. outside. Uh, she uses her fast footwork to volume strike from range in a lot of ways similar to Rose. But here's where she isn't. Rose has the best footwork in women's MMA. Rose is a volume striker, but she has legitimate power. And she is a sniper with her striking accuracy. So Chukagian, okay footwork. She does well uh, and throws volume, but she has zero power at all. A lot of the time she's swinging at air, and she's really not hitting her opponents anywhere near as, as much as she appears to be, right? So Andrade respected Rose's power. She stayed on the outside. I don't think she does that in this spot. I think she's going to walk right through it, uh, right through everything Chukagian has to get inside, get her in the clinch, get her against the cage, and just repeatedly take her down time after time. So that's she's moving up in, in, in weight, and that's the mm-hmm. argument here. 
But I don't think it matters because she's built mm. like a small fire truck. So when I, hmm. I sent it to you guys earlier in the week yeah. at minus at minus one forty, I don't like it as much at, at minus one sixty eight. So I would say if you were gonna take her now, you probably take the shot by decision at plus money because mm. most of these fights in women's MMA uh, go to the right. cards. So that would probably be the way I would look right now if you didn't get the minus one forty. The question then that I would have on Chikagian, and if I'm not mistaken, she lost to Shevchenko, Valentina, yep. right? Then what? Yep. Then was what I feel like for a lot of people wildly priced as the dog against the other Shevchenko and yep. handled business. Is this yep. just the spot though? Because this is where you get caught sometimes in MMA, right? Like you're way too good for a certain tier, but you're not good enough for another tier. And is Chukagian just unfortunately in this middle bracket where never going to be a champion? But not really going to fall down too far because she's too she's above that. You got about a minute. Yeah, she a hundred percent. She she's a gatekeeper. She's somewhere in that probably four to six range in that division. Uh, the it's a C apart from Valentina Shevchenko and her sister. I was on Chukagian in that spot also. But when you look at how easy Valentina took her down in the cage. I think that Andrade is going to do that Saturday night. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, check this out, Jay. You know, we haven't had you in a, in a couple of weeks, so we'd love to stick with you, either ask you more about this fight, ask you about some of the stuff we have said in the NFL. You know, Jay, our Jets, you know, continue to make moves, so we can talk about that, the NFL. And there's still some left meat left on the bone on this fight that we could talk about as well. It's Thursday on the early line, and we've got a friend of the show, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, chopping it up with us for another couple of minutes. Come on right back here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. We still got our friend Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, here. And we turn our attention to football. And you know something? I've got to ask you a question. You just said something behind the break um, that I am starting to think of as well. Uh, the impact of no fans in the stands, Jay, what I'm starting to see is veteran road quarterbacks be able to manipulate this i've seen it from everything by being able to call out the hot route to the hard counts working with no fans in the stands to draw guys off sides i think these veteran guys who you just said it to us in almost like in the bubble environment they can move all the puzzle pieces around what they do is hunt matchups right and we've got two of them in aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady going at it when the Packers see the Bucs in this weekend's game. How do you see this one hanging out? And do you believe that that's part of why we're seeing overs left and right? Yeah, listen, if you're doing power rankings right now, okay, and you're mm -hmm. giving three points, somewhere between, you know, two and a half points to, you know, 3.75 at places like Seattle and Lambeau, if you're doing that now, you're doing it wrong, man. Other than travel, 
There is no home field advantage at all. The road teams are playing in literally almost like practice bubble conditions. People that have uh, people in the seats, it's a five 5,000 people in an 80,000-person stadium. I mean, you could still hear a pin drop. There's That's why these scores are so high, in my opinion. Two reasons. Number one, up until last week, holding penalties were down 80% in the league. Sure. That's big, okay? Number two... There's nothing that these road teams have to deal with in terms of conditions at all. Mm. So that's why I think they're putting points up on the board. And, yeah, in the Packers game, I think that that line is is really off, man. I would have had that game, uh, Packers fully healthy, uh, four and a half points on a neutral field, somewhere between four and a half and five last week. Now, what did we see? The Packers had a bye. Okay. Tampa Bay loses a, a tough one-point game to Chicago. How is this line? How did it open at two and a half? And now it's down to one when Devontae Adams practiced on Monday and Wednesday. So, obviously, he's going to play. We, Lazard probably doesn't play, right? I'm not sure what his status is. Okay. Chris no, Godwin. more pra- time left, yeah. Okay, okay. And Chris Godwin got on the field in practice. So what does that mean? There's no <laughs> way you can tell me that the Packers should not be a bigger favorite on the road Sunday. There's just no way. I think, Jay, it's a really tough spot for the book. You know, I rem- I was on I was on here last <laughs> Thursday when that, you know, Bucks team was unraveling. And, you know, they'd be like, ah, what do you think that spread is next week? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be two and a half. And you're like, oh, you think Green Bay is only laying two and a half? I said, so Tampa's going to lay two and a half. And Tampa was laying two and a half. And then they finally lost that game. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they moved the number. So this number has been off from your perception from the longest. And yeah. I think it's because Tampa's really difficult to figure out right now. Because they still can't play games fully healthy. And I'm not trying to make excuses for Tom, but if the whole reason anybody was excited about him going to Tampa Bay was the weapons, and then he never plays with the weapons, it kind of defeats the purpose. The question I have for you when you're making these power ratings, how much, if at all, are you giving teams credit for the bye week? Because the Steelers just hung 38, and the Titans hung 42 off of their bye weeks. So their offenses obviously came out rolling. Both those teams covered their numbers, albeit the Steelers by the front door. Cover is a cover. For the Packers to be coming off of a bye, how much are you going to give them an extra boost? I mean, I I always take that into consideration when a team's got almost two weeks uh, to prepare for another team. It's normally, it's probably not even a half point, if I'm being honest, in my power ratings. But But I always take it into consideration. My problem is I'm still not sold on the Tampa Bay offense. Yeah, Tom Brady quietly threw for five touchdowns in that Chargers game. Great. Mm -hmm. At 42, as the weeks go by, he's only going to get worse, man. He's not going to get better. I don't care about the fact that he's going to fit better with the weapons and in the system. He's still got a 42-year arm. And that's why he didn't hit Mike Evans for a touchdown. Because mm-hmm. he threw it a yard and a half behind and to the left in that Bears game, or they win that game. You know what right. I'm saying? I think here's the thing. I think right now Green Bay's probably the third best team in football. I don't even think we know how good they are yet. 
And yeah. I, I have no problem have taking them in, yeah. in, this, in this spot. I really don't. Yeah, you know, that is interesting. That chemistry with Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur, they even saying it. They're starting to understand each other better. Talk about chemistry from Tom Brady to a receiver. I'm thinking about chemistry from quarterback to coach. But also, Jay, you know, you come on here and you talk about the power index and your ratings and how that is kind of the the first thing, the cornerstone of you looking to cap games, right? We didn't have you here last week, and I know that's something for your subscribers and all, but who's kind of like moving on? up your rankings who's kind of falling down your rankings over the last couple of weeks biggest mover right now uh from last week is the 49ers i i downgraded them two points yeah from from a, from a point and a half better than an average team to right now about a half point worse than an average team on a neutral field. They look absolutely lost, bro. If you would have watched that game on Sunday it, and, and you saw Jimmy Garoppolo I had them as my play, survivor pick. I had them as my knockout and, pool play. And you told somebody that didn't watch the Super Bowl last year that he started in the Super Bowl, you would have got laughed out of the room. There's, I mean... He five games after a Super Bowl, he was benched for CJ Beathard, bro. Come on. Wild. Wild. Right? Yeah. They, they're lost. Like, they're lost. They're, I hear you. The the um the injuries on defense, uh we I didn't think Bosa would make that much of a difference on the line. Clearly he has. And Garoppolo just like this is a bad year for the Jimmy G truthers. I'll tell you that. Yeah, really. Yeah, our big our, our guy good. Chris Venture on the network is one of them. Who's a ra who's a riser? Maybe the Raiders, someone else. Who are you looking at in a slightly different light from a positive standpoint? Uh, the Rams. Rams moved about a point and a half up in my ratings from last week. I like them. And listen, after after uh, the Packers and Seattle, who's the third team in the the third best team in the NFC right now? It's probably the Rams. No. Yeah. Right ahead. No, it is. I mean, it just is. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, Sean McVay showed up. He's been excellent ever since. Last year, and down here Goff playing year, out of his mind, right? Seven. But like, yeah. Goff has been good under him. They've got legit weapons. Like, they're a good football team. I don't know what happened. Like, everyone got so mad at Sean McVay because a bunch of other teams in the league tried to hire their own Sean McVay. Well, they were doing that because Sean McVay rules. He's a great head coach. And guess what? He's putting it on display week in and week out. Yeah, I agree. Goff right now playing out of his mind looks really good. And when when everything's going right for the Rams, they are a tough out, man. So, yeah, right now yeah. They're, they're my third third best team in the NFC, the Rams. That's interesting. You and Kevin continue to share one brain when it comes to the NFL. I absolutely love it. Hey, Jay, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, all right, man? And next week, we got to get you because, listen, this Khabib Gaethje fight is going to be big. We can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. Have a great week, Jay. And tell our boy Joey we say thanks again. I will, will do, guys. Thanks. See you next week. Appreciate it, right. Jay. Have a good one. All right, Kev. So what do you think about that? First of all, I want to ask you, did you know, like, that story, right? Like, Korean zombie and Ortega at the club or whatever. Yeah. There is legitimate bad beef here. Apparently, uh, Ortega pulled a punk move and waited for Korean zombie to not be there to step up to his crew. 
Yeah, I didn't know if it was at a club or if it was at backstage at a UFC event. But Some I, event, I he, something. He, he's, yeah, I know he smacked up one of his buddies. They legitimately, you know, don't like one another, which always will add to a fight, right? I mean, it's not quite Khabib Connor, but it is obviously something that those two take very personal uh, and very serious. I, I mean, the Ortega thing is super interesting because this guy was like, oh, he might be the one. And then Max Holloway... I just made him look like he wasn't even remotely ready. We've not seen him since. Like that was Jay was kind of saying. He's like, oh, surely we've seen T City since. We haven't. So hmm. mighty come back, you know, sharpened skills and looking significantly better. Yeah. Maybe he'll never be the same. That's how bad Max Holloway pieced him up. And right. then he's going up against this dude's up. Like it's it's a wildly fun fight, though. All right. Well, while we were talking to Jay. Kev, we have breaking news in the NFL, and it is, you know, I, I, I don't know even how to describe it. Is it par for the course? Is it bad news? I don't know what it means, but there you have it. Adam Schefter just tweeted, the Atlanta Falcons are shutting down their facility after multiple positive tests. Kevin, I've talked about the wiggle room the NFL has and how the walls are closing in. Here's this situation. The Falcons, first of all, it's Thursday, Kev. All right, that's the first thing we got to talk about. It's Thursday already. Here's the other thing we got to talk about. There's already two games on Monday night football scheduled, right? And I got to tell you, I'm on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm looking at the Atlanta game. It is not on the board right now, Kev. What do we do with this? Well, we obviously now have to wait and see. Schefter, you know, follows that up by saying, obviously now this Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings becomes uh, in jeopardy. And Atlanta... And Minnesota could very well play on a Tuesday. I think we've now set the precedent for that. I think one of the things that you've been waiting on is the precedent for Week 18. Again, yes. I think they're going to try and hold off on that. What we do have the precedent for is Tuesday night football. And what's really interesting is if this game ends up getting paused, right? Again, the NFL clearly has rolled through what feels like all of the combinations, and they're trying to figure out what gets moved here and what gets moved there. Quietly, and I don't know how much, you know, but week six was not, is not what was supposed to be week six, right? The Chargers, oh, right. Yeah, I think we're supposed to be playing the Jets, the Dolphins, yes. we're supposed yes. to be playing the Broncos. Like, there's a yep. lot of things that have moved around. I say that to say this, if now you have to cancel this game, you have almost lost a week of movement in your schedule, right? Week six is by the wayside. You can't impact other teams. You're not going to just all of a sudden say, oh, hold on, Carolina, not Chicago. Sorry, we're going to put you here, right. Carolina. You're going to get a bye. Like, that's not what's going to happen. So I would say right now we obviously are going to have to wait day by day. and. Sure. I would say the best case scenario for this game is Tuesday night football. I would say, but here's the thing I'm going to say. It's already Thursday, and this is the beginning of it, right? We've seen how day by day, at least at the start, 
They usually grow in numbers. And the other thing I've said about the NFL losing its wiggle room, right? The Falcons are playing the Vikings this week. The Vikings are in the NFC North. In that division, the Packers and Lions have already had their bye. The wiggle room is vanishing, okay? So, yeah, they're going to try and keep moving the puzzle pieces. But at some point, the crunch gets too much to manage. And I wonder if we're here. This is just coming across with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll try to figure it out. And we'll be here all day on the grid trying to figure it out. That's why I stay on the grid. Continue to do so. We come back to close out the early line after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back right here on to the early line. And, Kev, it's sort of become now a part of our show, right? We're on 7 to 9 a.m., and it seems like in the 8 a.m. hour every day is when the results of these COVID tests in the NFL happen. And we've heard it again. If you haven't been with us yet, breaking news here from Schefter and others, the Atlanta Falcons are shutting down their team facility today because, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, they had four positive cases of coronavirus from yesterday's testing. They're supposed to be at Minnesota in a mere, you know, three days and 72 hours. We don't mm -hmm. know. We'll follow the story. Week seven, home for Detroit. Week eight at Carolina. Week nine, home for Denver. And then that bye. So if they're going to be moving and shaking, I'm telling you, they're in the division with Detroit Green Bay. They've already had the bye. It becomes harder and harder to move the puzzle pieces, Kev. Yeah, I mean, we know that, obviously. It's less ground is there, and if teams yeah. don't share bye weeks, it's not going to be simple. I think we just have to be realistic about what the next move for the NFL is. So there's four positive tests, right? They'll test tomorrow. No positive tests, they'll test Saturday. No positive tests. They'll probably then set the game for Tuesday. We'll go into Sunday. And if there's no positive tests again, we'll probably be playing on Tuesday. I don't know if that's realistic. This is the one thing that I, I've said here. There's, yeah. This has been, it feels like an up and down thing. Like There doesn't just feel like there's a, enough consistency in how this thing acts. I know you've made the point like, oh, we know the protocols that we're supposed to follow kind of given to the general public. And, and obviously, and those should not be ignored, right? But the Vikings, by the way, played the Titans, right? And the Titans had this outbreak. And the Vikings got nothing. You know, so right now I would say, yeah. should we wor be worried about Carolina and their game against the Chicago Bears? I don't know. Based on what we've seen, no. The Chiefs had no yeah. positive test after playing the Patriots. So, again, based on what we've seen, no. Yeah. We simply report it and we wait on more. Yep. Keep an eye out on this. The Atlanta Falcons right now are technically supposed to be at Minnesota this week. So at some point, even with all these testing, they don't get on a plane and travel. Maybe. We will keep our eye on it. We'll talk about it tomorrow on a football Friday here on the early line. Jared and Ariel are up next on the morning after. They'll be talking about it all day right here on The Grid. Have a good one, everybody. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.